one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to thirty six percent better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a one dollar a month trial period at Shopify.com/arsblog. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/arsblog now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/arsblog. Welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association with OleOle.com, the football community website, and uh, some Tuck Crackers, which I had just eaten and have made my mouth all kind of... There's all bits of Tuck Cracker and they're so dry and salty and I don't even have a beer up here yet, so I better go down and get myself uh, a beer. Just um, hang on a sec. <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, there you go. Uh, I now have a beer. And my mouth is less salty and took crackery than it was uh, just a few moments ago. Oh, the miracles of, you know, liquid, I suppose. Uh, coming up on today's show, we have got the man in the bar who's got another player history for you. As well as that, we'll be looking at all the Arsenal news that's gone on. In-depth analysis of the busy, busy week that we've had Um yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll do our best. And coming up very shortly, I'll be talking to former Arsenal player uh, Peter Marinello, who's got a book out at the moment, and uh, a rather different football book it is too. So we'll uh, touch on that very shortly indeed. Now, let's talk for uh, a few minutes about um, some of the stories that have happened this week. I was going to talk about the weather here, because it's been raining in Dublin for about two weeks, and I don't think we've actually seen the sun for about ten days. <sighs> And I know, I sh- you know, you're going to say, look, you lived in Spain. You're the one that came back to Ireland. Serves you right, you bastard. Which would be fair enough, apart from the name-calling bit. There's no need to call me a bastard. But it is still very depressing that this is June, and uh, I miss going around in my Speedos and flip-flops, you know. The, 
Probably more information than you needed to know. Jeremy Aliadier has been and gone. He is now a Middlesbrough player, and he was talking about uh, how he didn't get his chances at Arsenal, and, you know, Reyes wasn't great at the beginning, Van Persie wasn't great at the beginning, but he had a lower salary, so it was okay to put him on the bench. You know, my recollection is that, that he got plenty of chances. You know, but every time he came on, he seemed to, you know, snap a cruciate or break his back or, you know, have a brain tumor or something like that. He was at the club for eight years. Eight years. I know he arrived young, but he was still there for eight years. I think he was the second longest uh, player at the club uh, after Freddie Jungberg. I think he's there longer than Thierry. So uh, in all those eight years, he managed to score one league goal. So it seems a little bit, you know, churlish of him now to to complain that he wasn't given chances at Arsenal. He was given the chances. He just didn't take them, you see. So there you go. That's uh, that's Jeremy Aliadier. Good luck to him at, at Middlesbrough. I'm sure it'll be loads of fun for him up there. Uh, Arsene Wenger uh, earlier in the week was linked with a move to Barcelona as Barcelona head coach after Barcelona were pipped to the league uh, by Real Madrid on Sunday despite a 5-0 or 5-1 win over uh, gymnastique. Uh, Real Madrid won the league with a, a 3-1 win over uh, Real Mallorca. Uh, who should pop up with the goals? No, it wasn't golden boy himself, David Beckham, on his final appearance for Real Madrid. The fairy tale wasn't for him. It was for Jose Antonio Reyes, who came on and scored with his first touch, and then, uh, after Diara had sort of headed one in, uh, he scored a third goal to more or less seal the league. Um, yeah, I mean, what an impact he made. But, you know, that's it in the final game of the season. Hasn't really done enough to show that, uh, or to show Real Madrid that he's worth uh, spending the money that uh, they sort of have agreed with Arsenal. Because I think the fee that they have agreed with Arsenal is lower than, um, or is higher than they would like to pay. Whether or not they see him as part of their plans, who knows? Because Real Madrid are, you know, looking like they're going to get rid of Fabio Capello, who's just won the league. They're going to fire him, bring in Bernd Schuster. So nobody knows anything at Real Madrid about what's going to happen. So um, Reyes, though, didn't do himself any harm, put himself in the shop window. There are supposedly three Spanish clubs interested. His agent said, look, if it doesn't work out with any of those clubs, if we don't get a... a, a, if Arsenal don't get uh, an offer, that's the word I'm looking for. If they don't get an offer worth talking about, well, you know, Jose can come back and he'll start next season with Arsenal. Hmm. I can't really see it happening, I have to say. Um, I'm sure a deal will be done during the summer. Um, uh, and while we have sort of missed his directness, you know, we just have to accept the fact that he's not a guy that's suited to English football. And uh, although he did well for Madrid, he didn't set the world on fire either. So, um, yeah, we'll get what we can for him. And then we shall bring in an Icelandic youngster called Bjarni or something. Um, and we'll spend three million pounds on him. And then he'll never play. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Wenger to Barcelona story, yeah, bollocks. Absolute, complete, paper talk, rubbish bollocks. Um, they're putting two and two together and getting 9,006. Thierry Henry still linked with moves away. We've had no word from the captain, no word from the club after all the speculation that took place last week, which led myself and the bloke from East Lower to deduce or decide or opine, if you will, that Thierry would be on his way this summer. We've had nothing from Thierry. Uh, to suggest uh, that uh, staying at Arsenal is his first priority, so we'll have to wait and see. The Spanish press are still going on with stories about how he has already agreed terms at Barcelona and uh, they just need to, you know, do the deal with Arsenal, etc., etc., etc. I suppose it'll all heat up in the next few weeks and, and we'll just see what happens. As I said the other week, I'm just staying calm.
Not getting stressed about it in the slightest. More Arsenal news uh, a little bit later on. Now then, in 1970, Arsenal spent £100,000, which was a very, very big transfer fee at the time, on a young Scottish player from Hibs called Peter Marinello. He was a tricky winger, good-looking guy, and a lot was expected from him. Unfortunately, things didn't work out for him on the pitch, and as it turns out, they didn't work out for him off the pitch as well. He's got a new book out, which is called Fallen Idol, which is I-D-L-E, in case you think he's being a bit uh, up himself, but he's not. Fallen Idol, fighting back from the booze, swindles, and drugs that ripped my life apart. Uh, it's available now uh, in your bookshops. We'll also link to it uh, on the blog. You can click through to Amazon and buy it from there. But right now, I'm delighted to welcome Peter Marinello to the Arsecast. Hi, Peter. Hello, Hey. Now, um, you joined Arsenal at the age of 19 for £100,000, and uh, I read somewhere today that somebody said that's the equivalent of a 9 or £10 million transfer today. You were, called, right, <laughs> you were called the next George Best, and one of the Arsenal directors said that uh, we've just bought the nearest thing that football has to the Beatles. It's a good job there wasn't any pressure on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they called me the Scottish Georgie Best because the long hair and the, the fashionable clothes. Uh, and pro- uh, my first game was against Manchester United, and I probably did the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> I scored my goal on my debut. Wow. Uh, George wasn't playing that day; he was suspended. And of course, the London press got a hold of it, and uh, I think they were looking for something equivalent to the Manchester George Best. So they sort of picked on me. So I had the same style—a winger, uh, ran close with the ball, was quick, uh, and sort of had the dark looks. So it was inevitable uh, I was going to be the London's George Best, which was with me, you know, until this day. Okay. Uh, was the expectation um, in that regard built up by the press, uh, or were the expectations of Arsenal slightly lower than that? No, I think I had the ability. It's just uh, everything happened too much, too quick, too soon. You know, I'd been playing up in Scotland for about, I'd been signed since I was 13, but obviously it was a different kind of game up there. We played with two wingers. And coming down to sort of Arsenal's set, you know, 4-3-3, 4-4-2, we played with, with two wingers, five forwards. Uh, I think that took a bit, you know. I was allowed to do more or less what I wanted. And whereas when I signed for Arsenal, I was to conform. Right. And I, I, I didn't really take too kindly to that. Was that, you know, uh, I suppose being so young, you weren't uh, too keen I was to... probably too young and everybody, I just got what I wanted. And like, I think I used to infuriate Don Howe if I, if I took a few players on and lost the ball. I used to stand with my hands on my hips waiting for somebody to give me it back. <laughs> Whereas maybe I should have worked a lot harder. I was just young at the time, you know. Sure, sure. Was there a huge difference when you talk about uh, coming down from Hibs to Arsenal in terms of um, not only the, the clubs and, and the way training worked, but obviously yeah. uh, life in general between Edinburgh and London. Were the bright lights of London a big uh, appeal to a young they guy? They were a big attraction, you know, I did, and I liked the close. Uh, Edinburgh was a, was a city, but it was a small city compared with London, and the training was just totally different. You know, really, it was quite easy up at, up at Easter Road at, at, in Edinburgh. And there was a culture shock coming down. With the tra- we never trained really in the afternoon up in Edinburgh. Whereas in London, we used to train quite hard. Weights, sprints, it was, it was totally different to what, I was, uh, to what I'd been used to. And it, it took some time. 
you left Arsenal, you only played 50, 51 games. And then, you know, as you said yourself yeah. at the time, you sort of engineered a move to, to Portsmouth. Do, do you feel yeah. now maybe you, you should have stuck it out a bit more at Arsenal? Oh, yeah, in hindsight. Uh, it was. I loved it at Portsmouth. The fans were great, but career-wise, it, it was a bit of a disaster because Bertie, me, the Arsenal manager, had offered me a six-year contract. Uh, I was just fed up being left out in the big games. He, he, he did stress, he said, we bought you for the future, Peter. Uh, I'd agreed to sign for Portsmouth in the May, but I went on tour with Arsenal in the June to Bermuda and Canada. And he asked me about six times on that trip, you know, he can still cancel the deal. Uh, but you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And okay. uh, in hindsight, it, it was a bad move because the double team were breaking up. The, the younger lads were coming through, the Chippy Bradys, Graham Rixies, the O'Leary's, Stapletons. It was a to- totally different uh, breed of player coming through. And uh, career-wise, it... I just drifted from club to club after that. Uh, do, do you think at any point you, you, you fulfilled the potential that you had and that, that people, uh, the, the no. skill that people saw in you, no? No, I never fulfilled the p- potential. I had spells at different clubs I thought I played well. I was a winger and I, 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 I wasn't even that very ambitious. I got there too quickly because my idol was George Best and to even be compared in the same sentence it was fantastic. And like every club I enjoyed, but I was quite happy just to play for the first team. I wasn't really bothered about international caps. I knew if, if things were going wrong with any particular club, I always had the ability to turn it on and, and somebody else would be interested in me. Sure. And that's, that's more or less how it developed over my career. Half, half boots will travel, you know. Sure. If you don't like me, I didn't want to leave Hibs. I was too young. But they says, look, we can't turn down this type of money. I was quite just happy. Just I'd only played about... 15 reserve games for Hibs and I was straight in the first team right so it was, it was, everything was quick was, was, was very very quick and I got there too quick Don Howe worked hard on me trying to mould me into a more English type of player to work hard but I was a bit of a, bit of a rebel you know <laughs> a bit of a spoiled brat maybe sure okay well I mean I'm looking uh, you have the book out obviously which is called Fallen Idol Fighting yeah. Back from the Booze Swindles and Drugs yeah. that Ripped My Life Apart so obviously there was a, a lot going on uh, off the pitch as well um, yeah. in the sort of the, the bump here um, you talk about uh, involvement with gangsters uh, yeah. being swindled out of all your money threats to yeah. shoot someone uh, arrested for who did you try to kill? I tried to kill my well, we tried to frighten my partner to get some money back. Right. I had signed personal guarantees on business deals uh, and uh, everything was going to go under and I was the one that was going to lose two houses, cut the pubs uh, and the part owner of a nightclub. And, uh, well, we chased this guy around the Midlands and... Uh, Everywhere we went, it was a, it was a, he had spent the money, he had he'd been gambling, he had been at the race courses, he had been taking his kids to Lapland private schools. It was a, it was just, it was just to frighten him to get some money, but uh, obviously it backfired and I was arrested and I got nothing in the end. You know, I just, just lost everything. Right, um, it seems to happen like that sometimes, doesn't it? That you know, one thing yeah. just leads into into another yeah, thing. I, I, I was the bottom line because I'd signed a personal guarantee on all companies' debts, and the two partners that I had, their assets were worthless. 
So the creditors are not bothered who they get their money from, and they came from me. There's other stories about being kidnapped in Nigeria while you were on yeah, tour with him burning. <laughs> I was kidnapped in, uh, it was actually in Ghana. Right. It, was a, it was a little island off the, the coast of Ghana. Uh, we went there for a sort of daily, it was about a day off from training, and uh, we're just kicking about the beach. We're, we played a game with some Russian sailors, and we just drifted away. It was quite a friendly game. We started to play with some canoes, and uh, these guys came out of the sort of forest and came to the, the water's edge and started shouting at me about one canoe. And I went across, and I don't know if we did it because we were just sort of lacking about that they were pointing to a hole in one of the canoes. Uh, so they says they, they wanted money. They could see they wanted it with their hands. And uh, they grabbed me and they held me. <laughs> All my hips teammates sort of just drifted away, right. and I, I was being held with these guys, and they looked quite fierce, you know. And uh, this went on for about half an hour until our, our courier arrived. He was a big, big man, big black man. He looked like uh, Idi Amin, you know, a big, powerful <laughs> man. And he managed to pull some money out, and uh, a transfer fee was negotiated. I think one of our players actually had it on film. You know, from the old movie camera. All right. And, and showed it uh, when we got back. But it was pretty scary at the time. You, you've stayed involved in, in football uh, at a local level, and I read that you only stopped playing a couple of years ago. Yeah, I stopped playing a few years ago. I was actually in Norway with the ex Arsenal guys uh, and celebrity team. But I, I wasn't allowed to play because I had a hip replacement just uh, about 18 months ago. Right. And I've been advised not to, to kick the ball anymore. I still coach youngsters. I run an amateur team down in Bournemouth. And we play every Sunday. And, and I played up to about what, a year and a half ago, a year ago. My mother always says, stop playing when I was 48. But I kept on playing and I, I, it just took its toll on my right side. I lost about five, six inches and my left side's playing up a little bit. But, you know, they say they shoot horses, they shoot, shoot all football players. <laughs> Don't know when to give up. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, because I just love playing. Sure. You know. Um, do do you now that you're coaching this team, uh, use your experience and the benefit of of the experiences that you've had to try and? Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Shape and mould the, the younger players? Yeah, I, I try to be attractive football. I'm still looking for... Uh, you know, the kid like a Ryan Giggs or a young George Best. I've got a little 10-year-old just now who's got a left foot. And, you know, he's, he's very tricky on his left foot. But uh, I'm still looking for, you know, the talent. You know, I've sent a few players to, to non-league teams and uh, the lower division teams. But it's hard for the young British guys to break through now. Sure. Because the, the, the teams are buying so many foreigners. Well, maybe Arsenal is the the place to be, especially if you've got the young ten year old with a left foot. Arsenal are looking for a left sided midfielder. Maybe we're looking for now Chippy Brady. <laughs> exactly. Well, Arsene likes them kind of young these days, doesn't he? So that's right. Yeah. Well, this kid's good in that, and, he, and he's we live in a lane, and you don't see kids playing in the lane or streets. But this kid's out every day after school, kicking the ball against the wall, and keeping it up, and I like his attitude. So, well, actually, we start training on Sunday with the amateur team, so the little kid's going to come along and help us, and, uh, you know, hopefully, I, I won't push him, you know, to just, just just to get a touch of the ball and keep you up here, and, you know, just to get used to playing football with other people, with, with, other, with kids, you know. Sure, sure. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of Arsenal, you talked about playing there with the the, the veterans team or, or the old-timers yeah. team. Do you still have uh, some kind of involvement with the club? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, we still go up every so often. I get invited up to do a bit of hospitality and things like that. And the Arsenal vets and celebrity team. We've been in Oslo the last four or five days. You know, Eddie Kelly and uh, John Radford, Brian Hornsby, Perry Groves, and we've got Tony Hadley and uh, you know the guy from Spandau Ballet. Oh yeah. Uh, we've got quite a few. We've got the uh, juggling champions, a uh, little uh, Paul Wood. Uh, who did this a documentary on search of Diego Maradona? Uh, you know, it's, it's just an interesting bunch of guys who donate their time for charity on every Sunday, and they get invited abroad. The Arsenal supporters club in Oslo invited us across. I, I felt a bit, you know, I wanted to play, but obviously I couldn't. Uh, and the lad from the Rat Pack, you know, plays Dean Martin. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was a good social team. Okay, well, final question. What, what do you make of the, the current Arsenal side and, and what, what do you think maybe they've got to do to, to step it up a bit for next season? Well, I think they're, they're fantastically talented. Uh, they maybe just got maybe two the same type of player in midfield. Diaby looks like he's going to be a really good player. Uh, Fabregas is a great player. Fleb's a good player. Rosicky. But they're the same type of players. Right. Uh, 
maybe a sort of centre half in the Frank McClintock mould or a you know a Tony Adams mould, and and maybe you know it's a pity Dean Ashton been injured. You know, I'd like to see Dean Ashton because I I think he can do a sort of Dennis Bergkamp role as well and score goals. Right. Uh, Darren Bent might have been a good signing. You know. 13, 14 million pounds is a lot of money for... That's right, Andy Johnson, I think, if they'd got him for 6 million, I think he'd have got 20 goals for Arsenal. And 10 penalties at least. That's right, yeah. Because <laughs> they're trying to play... It's fantastic to watch, but the Chelsea game in the cup final, they should have been 3 or 4 up. Yeah. And you could sense it coming, Chelsea were going to come into the game and win it, you know? Well, we'll see what happens next season. But, you know, potentially it'll look great, you know? Yeah. Okay. Majalik potentially 17-18 you know <laughs> <laughs> I may have been a better player under Wagner you know <laughs> oh, maybe so I don't think uh, he'd have let you away with uh, no, all the I good don't times th- I don't think so no I think you I think you would have, <laughs> I don't think he likes the British uh, sort of have a few drinks you know ok well Peter look we'll make sure to give the book a, a good plug on the website thanks a million That's for, for plug, talking to plug me plug the book out. Yeah. <laughs> I will, of course. Don't worry. Don't right. worry. Okay. Right. All thanks the best. Thanks much. a lot. Right. Good speaking to you. You too. Bye. Right. Bye. My thanks to Peter Marinello for taking the time to talk to the Arscast. Uh, his book, Fallen Idol, is available in bookshops now uh, through Headline Publishing. It's also available through uh, websites like Amazon.co.uk, and you'll find a link to that on today's blog. An interesting football biography. Another one I read during the week was Terry Neal's biography. Uh, written in 1985 and there was an interesting part where he's talking about David Dean uh, and David Dean had just become a director at Arsenal and he's talking about a a day at the Dell in Southampton and um, he said uh, David Dean also wanted to you know spend as much time in the players lounge as in in the boardroom Um, and he walked past the dressing room with his wife uh, down towards the players lounge and an attendant an elderly attendant at the Dell asked David Dean he says uh, in the nicest possible way if he could help him ah yes said Dean I'm just going to the players' lounge. The doorman asked him if he had a ticket. No, said Dean, I just want to go through to the players' lounge. Tickets for the players' lounge, you see, were kind of like gold dust. The doorman says, if that's the case, I'm very sorry indeed, but if you don't have a ticket, you can't go in. It's admission by ticket only, and I'm only doing my job. I've been instructed very definitely that no one must pass without a ticket. Uh, David Dean appeared to be getting angry then. Do you know who I am, he demanded. The doorman said, I'm very sorry, sir. I don't. Uh, All the players were standing listening. Dean became more irate. I'm a director of Arsenal, and I'm going into the players' lounge whether you like it or not. The more angry Dean became, the more polite and humble was the demeanor of the doorman. Eventually, Dean realized he was not going to defeat the doorman and withdrew. Har har, I do like that. Anyone who says, do you know who I am, deserves everything they get. Uh, Another interesting story in the back of the book, he talks about how Arsenal came close to signing Diego Maradona and how the uh, Falklands conflict actually put paid to that deal. The negotiations were at a quite advanced stage. There was a talk of sponsorship deals with Coca-Cola and Puma in order to pay Maradona's salary. Uh, there was also JVC and Cannon were coming on board, and uh, Maradona had agreed to deal with Barcelona, but they were confident that they could, uh, they were confident that they could uh, get him to break that deal and, and come to Arsenal, amazingly enough. And then the Falklands War broke out, and the whole Argentina versus England thing, and it, it just didn't 
didn't work out. Uh, interesting part in the book, though. Uh, Neil says, I believe Maradona would have been much more successful in England, where referees are generally able to enforce the laws of the game and eliminate the tackle from behind, uh, rather, rather than in Spain, where he was a marked man. Eventually, the amount of rough treatment he received caused him to snap, and he was suspended. There was a great, uh, I think it was against Athletic Bilbao. You can find the video on YouTube. An absolute brawl, Maradona going around kicking things. Uh, Terry Neal says, The Spaniards did not see the best of Diego Maradona, and I believe the Italians are no different. Maradona has not been an outstanding success for Napoli. The book was written in 1985, and of course, I think it was 1986 uh, when Maradona led Napoli to the title for the first time. So there you go. Um, hindsight is a wonderful thing, n'est-ce pas? Uh, now, to the bar, where the man in the bar has a player history. Uh, hello, there you are again now. It's me, the man in the bar, with another player history for you. I have to say I'm feeling a little bit depressed this week, so I am. The weather is absolutely shite. It's been bucketing down for days and days, and, and this is supposed to be the summer. I was trying to play cricket in my back garden and, and couldn't do it, and I was going to have a barbecue and I couldn't do it, and I was going to get sunburned and I couldn't do it, and I was going to do lots of sun-related activities, but I couldn't do any of them because of this weather. I see that crowded house lot are playing here in Dublin tonight, so they are. I might go along, go to that Neil Finn fella and say, Here you, you know the way. Everywhere you go, you always take the weather with you. Well, you think there's any way you could take this fucking rain away because it's giving me a fucking pain in my gee, so it is. Maybe he won't take it seeing as he's got to go on tour and he's probably got loads of amplifiers and guitars to take with him as well. Be difficult to fit the old weather in the truck. Anyway, today I'm going to tell you about a fella who joined Arsenal from Newcastle in 1976. He was Terry Neal's first signing to the club, and his name was Malcolm MacDonald. He cost Arsenal the princely sum of three hundred and thirty-three thousand three hundred and thirty-three pounds and thirty-three pence. What the fuck were they going to do with 33 pence? Anyway, Malcolm McDonald had a big round head and that meant he could head the ball very hard indeed. He was also known as Super Mac. Now, people might think this is because of his name, MacDonald, and he was a bit super on the pitch, but it wasn't. It was to do with an old rain Macintosh that was passed down to him by his granddad, which gave him magic powers such as running quite fast and becoming partially invisible. Unfortunately, he wasn't allowed to wear the Macintosh when he was playing football. He scored a good few goals for Arsenal. Hang on, I'm just going to count them. 42, so it was in the end that he scored for Arsenal in about... Let me count the appearances. Oh, lost count. Hang on. 84 appearances. Now, he had a bit of an only injury, you see, and one summer they decided to send him to Sweden to see could he recuperate, but he couldn't, and the only injury forced him to retire from the game of football at the age of 29. After that, he became an alcoholic uh, for a while, but then he decided he didn't like that, and he gave up drinking, and now he presents a radio show in the northeast of England after spending many, many years studying their language so he could speak it fluently. It's true. 
And the man in the bar will be back on next week's Arscast with another player history. That's provided he doesn't get too depressed by the whole lack of sunshine thing and, and try and kill himself. He does have a bit of a history of suicide attempts, you see. Luckily for us, he's absolutely fucking crap at killing himself. Which must be, you know, in fairness, if you've got a mind to do it, one of the easiest things to do. Sort of jump off a cliff or, you know, take enough tablets. But these half-assed suicide... Yeah, anyway. I don't want to put ideas in his head. It's been a while since his last one, at least about four days. So, hopefully, things will be clear. Uh, don't forget, if you are bored this summer and you want something to do, why not join OleOle.com, uh, the football community that's growing fast. On the web, you can join up, get your own blog, uh, post stories, make friends. It's sort of like uh, MySpace crossed with Facebook crossed with um, pen pals. Remember old-fashioned pen pals? It's sort of like that. So join up, www.oleole.com. What else is there to talk about this week? Well, a few little bits and pieces. Danny Carbassion was made Arsenal's chief scout in North America. Some eyebrows were raised. He's only 22, 23 years of age. How can he be Arsenal's chief scout? I, I sort of assume he's our only scout over there. You know, full time. So he's sort of like, he could give himself whatever title he wanted. You know, Supreme Ruler, Darth Carbassion of the scouts, you know. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. And maybe we'll try and get Danny back on the Arscast uh, in the weeks ahead just to give us a bit more information about the role uh, and what is expected of him and what exactly he'll be doing. Uh, Gilles Grimondi, the Grimster, he's been uh, linked with the director of football role, uh, which apparently has been uh, turned down by Reading's Nicky Hammond. Now, that was only really reported in one newspaper. They say he was offered the job and he turned it down because he wasn't sure about whether or not, you know, it was a, a part-time, not a part-time position, but whether his position would be at risk. Uh, for example, if if uh, Kroenke came back in with David Dean and David Dean would say, no, sling your hook, mate. This is my job. I'm the one that negotiates with the players. They're my friends, and you can't talk to them. So he said no, apparently, apparently. We don't know. Uh, but Gilles Grimondi is being lined up, according to the Mirror this week. Um, he's been scouting for uh, Arsenal and has brought such talent as uh, Alexander Song to the club. I think I'd prefer Jill when he was sort of going around kicking people, you know, and punching them in the side of the head. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, a better use of his talents uh, would be to knock some sense into some players during uh, contract negotiations. Um, the chairman, Peter Hillwood, met with uh, Stan Kroenke uh, during the week, and he said everything went perfectly well. And um, there was a statement supposed to be released last Friday. Yeah, but nothing was forthcoming, and it was supposed to be released this week, and I'm, I'm, I don't know exactly what's going on there at all, uh, but you would have to imagine that they're trying to work out some kind of a statement uh, where each side puts, you know, uh, an acceptable face forward. I mean, you can't ignore the fact that Kroenke owns a big chunk of the club, nor can you ignore the fact that David Dean owns a big chunk of the club. Um, uh, maybe the board's willingness to work with Stan Kroenke might be um, based on... Uh, an agreement between them not to work with David Dean. Who knows? Uh, these things appear to be uh, all rather complicated, so we'll wait and see what happens, but a statement does have to be made to shareholders at some stage, and we'll find out exactly what happens there. Talk of Stan Kroenke being added to the Arsenal board uh, so he can, you know, come on board, get to know everybody, and then buy the club. Bollocks, come on. You know, 
Stan Kroenke, just because he sits on the board, is not not going to saddle the club with the debt that he needs uh, to to buy it. We don't want a Manchester United situation, and people look at United, and we go over this time and time again about United spending money, but all they're doing is adding to their debt. Bringing Stan Kroenke on board uh, just to sit on the Arsenal board, even though he's, you know, miles away and lives in America and all that sort of stuff, uh, just so he can uh, we can facilitate the sale uh, nice and easily to him in 2008... It doesn't make any sense to me. And and articles that, that push that agenda are suspicious to me, I have to say. Um, I'll say no more than that. Other than they make me suspicious and they make my brow furrow. If you could see me now, I'm looking suspiciously left to right, as if something suspicious is going on. So there you go. Um, um, there isn't really very much else to talk about. Uh, so for this Arscast... Um, that's just about it. I wish you a very, very happy weekend. Uh, have a good one. Drink lots of beer. Fall over a bit, maybe. Just don't hit your head. And um, I'll talk to you on next week's Arscast and, of course, all next week on the blog itself. Until then, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Are you going to sign the contract? How about now? You've got three seconds to sign the contract or I'm gonna glass you. One, two, three. Oh, wise guy, eh? I'm just gonna put on a little music. You stay comfortable in that chair. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.